and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Joe Harrop. So, some beautifully assured vocals coming your way. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to the second episode of Series 7 of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure you subscribe. Or together, we can only imagine the distress that might occur if you were to miss one of our valuable weekly episodes. Ooh, and I know that we said we'd be speaking with Ray Gelato this week at the end of our last episode, but I was just messing. In fact, we'll speak to Brother Ray at the end of this series, ready for your ears from around about mid-November. Meanwhile, you can visit our lovely website at watfordjazzjunction.com whenever you like, and to book tickets to see our gigs here in friendly Watford with the Tony Kofi Quintet and their enthralling Cannibal Adley show on the 12th of February. Just one crispy £15 note will gain you access. And of course, later this month, I believe there are still a couple of tickets left for our show on Saturday the 30th of October with the Chrissingham Quartet and their awesome Jazz of Dudley Moore show. More 60s-infused jazz groove than you can possibly imagine. Now to business. Today, I am joined by a formidable vocalist astride folk and jazz, creator of that fine album from 2020, Weathering the Storm, a voice of calm, a voice of talent, in Iggy Pop's words, a very fine jazz singer. Delicious. I shall add mellifluous and magnificent. It can only be Joe Harrop. Joe, hello, how are you? Hi, Chris. I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. This is terribly exciting. We've just spent the last 45 minutes, haven't we, (laughs) trying to work out how our microphones work on our computers. We're very technically savvy now, though. We know Uh, how it works. We do. You come to Joe and Chris Computer Services whenever you like, and we'll we'll have all the solutions. (laughs) We just turned it off and turned it back on again, basically. (laughs) Don't give away our trade (laughs) secrets. Now, um, obviously, it's an absolute delight to have you uh, with us today. Where are you speaking to us from? Whereabouts in the world are you based? Um, I am in Beckenham, which is Kent, via Chesterley Street in County Durham, obviously, because you can hear from the accent. (laughs) Well, there's a slight twang, isn't there? (laughs) So first up, uh, Joe, that Iggy Pop reference. Did you meet? Are you buddies? Should I have him on the show? I think you should have him on the show. And I would like to think that we're buddies now, but we sadly never met. But after that lovely introduction that he gave us, I firmly think of Iggy as a friend. <laughs> yeah, proper fan, and rightly so. So what, what's the backstory from County Durham to here uh, and now? How did you end up a singing for a living? I always sang. I, I was a little girl and I used to sing all the time, drive my mum uh, wild, I think. just um, I would just sing everything. And I used to th- say I wanted to be a singer, but it was kind of discouraged a little bit because it wasn't a job. Um, it was a right. hobby kind of thing. And then I... Uh, I don't know, I just thought I'm going to move to London and try it. No formal training and not a clue what I was going to do, but I used to pick up copies of the stage magazine paper and go for auditions and <laughs> till I landed on my feet and got a, a couple of things and was back in singing and, and did a couple of pub gigs and, and it kind of, it was the long and winding road, but finally got to here, wherever here is. Poor mum, I can imagine you sort of declaring, I'm off to London to seek my fortune. And she's saying, yeah, good luck. What happened to becoming a lawyer? The, um, was, was she massively worried? Probably. <laughs> she was always worried. <laughs> she worries about me. Yeah. Um, she still does. But uh, yeah, she just told me not to get in any trouble because she wouldn't be able to bail me out. So I made sure I worked. I got, I got some bar jobs and, and restaurant jobs and, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Made it work. So, then, so you, you started singing then pretty much from the beginning of, of your adult life. Were you hooking up with like different musicians, working around different styles, or was it always jazz? I mean, what, what was the what was the game plan? I like to write lyrics, and so I started to write songs, um, and I did. I, I wrote some songs and started to work with production team on my own records, which mm. w- that was a great experience. It, it, it didn't make it as far as I'd hoped, but in the meanwhile, I was meeting musicians and doing a bit of backing singing for a few pop people, Enrique Iglesias being one, Leanne Rhymes, Gloria Gaynor, there was a few people and we Ooh. had some fun. But I met some amazing musicians while I was doing these gigs. So I would talk about my love of jazz and some of them were jazz musicians and they said, oh, you know, there's this little jazz jam happening here, you should come. Or there's a little pub gig, they do jazz, do you fancy coming and singing a few songs? And it was it was like that really. And I just learned as I went along and I didn't have any jazz etiquette, let's say. So I had to learn that yeah. all on the job. They'll give you a hard time if you get up and you, you don't know what you <laughs> doing so it was quite a good lesson to learn yeah. uh, and it went from there and so I kind of got into the the jazz world but recently well during the lockdown I really really always wanted to get back to songwriting which is where I began so that gave me the opportunity to kind of get back into that. So um, jazz's gain and pop's loss was there ever a point where you were thinking actually I want to be a pop singer rather than a, a jazz singer? To be honest, I just wanted to sing. I didn't really care if it was pop or jazz. I just wanted to be yeah. up there singing. I love live singing and, and I, I love all genres of music, to be honest. I, I could have quite happily been a rock chick if if, I, if that's the way it had gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I just love the stage and I love performing to people and singing songs. And it just so happens that I've got quite a jazzy voice. I was listening to a lot of your, your singing in the last couple of weeks. And I've, I've come up with this brilliant triumvirate of people who I've decided are all present in your voice. Okay. In there. Carmen McRae, mm-hmm. Cleo Lane and Sarah Vaughan. And I think if you were to mix all of their voices together you might get something that uh, that approaches your tone. But it, it sounds completely unique and it's absolutely, in my, my ears, designed for jazz and blues and yeah. really whatever you like, I guess. Well, thank you very much. I will take that. I like that. I mean, Sarah Vaughan's one of my all-time favourites as well. So Great. Oh, I expect compliment. Chris Newstead to, to knock Iggy Pop off your website. <laughs> absolutely. The- <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> um, so you, you were mentioning there about production teams and things a, a minute or two ago. Who do you seek to accompany you when you play? Do you have a sort of clear vibe in your mind or will you sort of work with anyone, so to speak? Or do you look for a special relationship? What's the what's the approach? Well, you know, you do tend to work with a, a, a pool of musicians as, as a jazz singer on the scene because you do mm. get called from different people. And that's always fun. It's always great to work with new people. But as a core, I think I really need that special relationship with people who they get to know you and most of all they they love working with you they love what you do and you can tell that they're they want to be there and they're excited to be there and it that's obviously got something to do with ability and skill as musicians mm. but it's also mm. to do with with how you interact with each other it's building relationships and you know you can put two amazing musicians in the same room but they might not connect with each other so you do have to go through a process I think to find the people who work well for you and that's very important for me and luckily I've managed to surround myself with with people who I think that we really do work well together and we all are in complete heaven when we're playing together we when we meet up and you can feel that and it makes it a better gig yeah. for everybody for you for the audience oh 100 percent. i can hear the 
the level of connection that you can hear on recordings, for example, like Jamie McCready, yeah. um, and there's a there's a trumpet player on one of your new songs as well, and I don't Andy. know who's playing trumpet. Andy, right. Andy who? Davies, Andy Davies. Oh, yeah, Andy yeah. Davies, that's it. Yeah, sorry, I did go in the brain at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, they are perfectly matched, or you're perfectly matched to them, or whatever it is. It sounds really like you've been playing for years and years together somehow. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that's really what I hope, the sound to be like um you know people who you I think we do we, I, I joke somebody did say to me recently uh, oh I love your band I love your choice of musicians you know uh, they're they're all so happy when they're playing and everything I said well you know I think we're all just straight out of the lunatic asylum we're all a bit bonkers and they're not <laughs> they're not all 100% strictly jazz some of them but um we just get along and we just love it you know and I think that that comes across if you can give that to the audience as well then you're winning all the time and and you feel really good about it and we just love to work together we love to create together and, and you can there's a confidence there so you you can try new things or you can make mistakes and it doesn't matter because you've all got each other's backs. Absolutely. There's a real security and, mm. and confidence in it. But, you know, exactly what you're saying, there's a joy in it and that's what comes across perhaps. So your recently released album is The Heart Wants. Mm -hmm. And I note that it got an extraordinary four stars from The Guardian and quite right. I would have given it five. <laughs> um, so what, what can you tell us about the album and, and how you pulled it all together? Was it absolutely a response to lockdown? Well, no, I think the songs have been in a lot. Some of the songs have been in in the in the heart and the brain for for quite a long time, and mm. it's been something that I had talked about with one of the producers, Hannah Vicenth, who's a good friend of mine. Um, she's a piano player and producer, much more on the pop side of things. And, yeah. and we've been talking about making a jazz album for years, and also Jamie McCready, who obviously I made the duets album "Weathering the Storm" with. Um, he, I wanted to do something with him and, and have him involved because we worked together so well. Um, so there yeah. was a there was a lot of talking about what we could do if we were to get the opportunity, and of course, signing with the label Lateralized just before the lockdown. They said, "Right, we're going to do this," and then the lockdown happened, and. You know, we as jazz musicians, we gig like crazy. We're going from one gig to the next. You don't often have that space to sit down and just begin something. So to me, the lockdown was a blessing in disguise because I thought, okay, um, now's the time. And I found my notebooks of scribbles from over the years and, and started to kind of make them into songs. And then another important player in this album was Paul Edis, piano player, composer yeah. from the Northeast, who's incredible. And I trusted him and I sent him lyrics. I said, you know, I'm a bit nervous sending you these, but see what you make of them. And he just started to send me back music and we had maybe three or four or five songs. And that was kind of the starting point of it. So it wasn't I think lockdown gave me the opportunity to basically put together what I'd been trying to put together for it for years and hadn't succeeded. And you've got some fantastic guests on the album as well. I, I know, is it the second or third song? There's that bass, that bass and bass. just you. With, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Christian something? Christian no. McBride. Oh my That's goodness. The, one. the world's best bass player. He is... <laughs> name drop. Uh, amazing. I went to see him play last week at Wigmore Hall with uh, Jason yeah. Moran, just the two of them, on, and, and it was absolutely mind-blowing it's so beautiful and mm. what a player and and that was another thing about lockdown we sat and we laughed and we said well who should we get on the record and Hannah said well I could call Christian because she she met him on other gigs you know and yeah. she said I'll call Christian McGuire see if he'll do it and I'm oh yeah and he said yes <laughs> whoop whoop <laughs> so, okay um but obviously everything had to be done remotely because of the lockdown nobody could be together so that was a, a weird way of having to record it was done kind of very separately whereas normally with a jazz album you'd have everybody in the same 
room. I mean, that is that is one thing I wanted to ask you because I I know that Christian was in America, right? During, mm, yeah, New during Jersey. lockdown, and yeah. then how then how you managed to to build that relationship. But before I ask you about that, I would just like it noted that you were able to record an album quality mm. song, a duet with just one other person yeah. over the internet. And yet we still struggle to connect our microphones to each other <laughs> half an hour ago. I tell you, they had engineers. They had engineers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're missing in our lives. No, but how did you create that that relationship with Christian? Did you like chat and stuff beforehand? I mean, you don't just hit that cold, right? No, we didn't actually. But obviously I know his work very well and he didn't oh. really know mine. But I, um, we had to do, we had a, a Zoom call and we he we played the three songs that he's on to him and he just kind of did his thing. Um, mm. And then I re-recorded the, I had given him a guide vocal and I re-recorded the, the vocal afterwards. Um, and it was a matter of just finding each other without being in the same room. Very strange way of working. It was the same with Jason Rubello, who plays on another couple of tracks. Again, we had to ask him to record from his home, which he did absolutely beautifully. But normally when you're in the room with each other, you read each other. So it was um, a strange way of working, but it was the only option that we had really at the time. And, and I think that we managed to pull it off just about. <laughs> oh, I think you definitely did. And then you've got some extraordinarily complex instrumental settings as well. You've got strings going on mm. and, and all sorts and some really quite big productions. Is that down to Hannah's brilliance? Is that down to a lot of musicians being very patient? Is that something you had to wait to record until there was a gap when you could all get into a studio? How did that work? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I like I said, I surrounded myself somehow with just some of the best people who are great writers and, and composers. And they put the, I think for Everything's Changing, Sam Watts did the string arrangement and Paul Edis did the others. Um, And we had, so we had it ready and we just had to wait until we had that break like you said that we could get a string quartet Deb's white quartet came in one day to to the studio when everybody felt safe to do so yeah and recorded recorded it that way and everybody was just on a high because it we were finding that it was like a jigsaw puzzle. We were had these bare bones of songs and we were just piecing them mm. together. And then when you heard it, it was, you know, it was so emotional, actually. It was a it was a really emotional experience just kind of building everything up that way. The the album is a real mix somehow to me. It's not like Sturm und Drang. It's not like Extremes. Mm. There is definitely a, a, a sense of loss in there or, or wistfulness and explorations of love and whatnot. And there seems a lot of personal notes in there. You say it's sort of gestated over a period of years. Has it been a sort of cathartic experience? Is it something you're like, oh, and now I can breathe yeah, easy? I think so, yeah. I think it, it is very personal. Um, but that's what I like when I listen to other people who write, you know, this kind mm. of, even if it's personal, but you make it so it's universal as well, so that people can re- relate to it. And I've already had a bit of that where I've performed some of the songs live and people have come up afterwards and said, oh, I, I needed to hear that. Or you were singing about my life. And when <laughs> I hear other people's songs and I think, how can somebody have written exactly how I'm feeling? I think that's when you're really connecting with people. And that's what I wanted to achieve as a songwriter. So there's, there is a lot of personal stuff, but it's, it is from over the years. It's things you know I lost a lot of family members in one go at one point and and there's stuff about that obviously there was that moment of lockdown where people were missing each other and lonely and and stressed and there's a bit of that in there as well in the songwriting and and just 
bringing up feelings. I suppose I had diaries of stuff that I'd written down and remembering those feelings that I had at the time. Oh yeah, that's that's a good emotion. And and I think writing from an interesting angle, so that kind of bittersweet, I quite like the sad songs, but that bittersweetness, mm. which makes songs a little bit more interesting than just being a straightforward love song. You know, I love you, but I can't have you. You love somebody else or something like that. Just to give, give it that kind of like a little bit more of a dark <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it brews with brilliance. And I hardly recommend to our listeners if you want to put something in uh, on your your christmas wish list then definitely add the heart wants by joe harrop so are you ready for chris's quiz quizzo with a speed answering baker's dozen of questions and a little feature i'm calling ain't no parrot that harrop get to know joe with yo's and no's <laughs> oh god <laughs> are you ready i think so question one soho yo status quo no <laughs> Prosecco? No. Espresso? No. Gelato? Not Ray, the ice cream. If it's vegan, yo. Ooh. <laughs> Qualification. Hold on, let me just add that. <laughs> uh, Black Forest Gatto? No. Banjo? Yo. Ah, mustachio? No. <laughs> Monaco? Yo. Now we're now we've done nine questions. So there are only four left, listeners. Uh, the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Yo. Autumnal walk through the meadow. Yo, yo, yo. The best UK gladiator was Rhino. Yo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I Who don't knows? Know. <laughs> and finally, question 13. Dizzy for Presidento, Ella for Queeno, Jazz will fix it when they're always on your stereo. Yo. Too right, yo. Right, hold on. This is very good. So, 13 questions, some good answers. I mean, some wrong ones too. Um, if I divide... <laughs> cool. I know it's the state. Yeah, well, oh, hold on. I'm going to divide the whole lot by, let's say, a flat ninth. I'll round up, of course. Uh, so, I've got 13 out of 10. And that puts you top of the Joe Harrop Quizzo Quiz leaderboard. Well Woo! done. <laughs> We've all learned something there, I think. Now... Serious time. My set question for you, Joe. Okay. What role do you believe that music plays in tackling the woes and failings of wider society? Does it shine a light or can it go further and really fix you? Discuss. I 100% wholeheartedly believe that music can fix you. Absolutely. Do you want me to explain more? I would love you to explain more. Has, has, okay. has that something you've felt personally in your own life or you've seen with others? Personally, for me, yes. I feel like I've had albums in my life that have kept me going or just needed at the time. And I've also seen through evidence of working with artists, musicians that, that have had fan mail that actually says in writing, I wanted to end it all, but your song saved my life. Nice. And I've seen that a few times in writing to, to artists I've worked with and... So I can 100% say that music is a lifesaver. It should be put prescribed on the NHS. Yeah, well, I totally agree, along with uh, sun lamps. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you, within that question, around the things that you see in society. Obviously, the world is uh, far from a happy place for everyone at any one point. Do you ever feel that there's a place for your lyrics to talk about, I don't know, climate change or horrible things that happen domestically or do you feel that that's something you ever want to write about or do you want to take a different approach that allows people to find their own solace by listening to your music no I mean I I absolutely feel like the stuff that I write will reach people in in certain ways but the Mm. but writing about 
things that obviously I care very much about, climate change and, and nature and, and people's struggle, that is something I would love to write about. And I have tried, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a hard one to to write about and get it right. Um, but I'm sure there'll be something that will come out at some point of that you know I mean the thing things like Wise Words which is the song that on, that's on the album that Paul Edis has yeah. written it's, it's advice really it's just saying and, and everything's changing it's saying hang in there keep strong but it doesn't really go into the political side of things quite yet but I, I'm not ruling that out because it's on my mind and I feel like if you can reach mm. people through music because it is the most powerful thing to reach people sometimes that you know we should we're, we've got a responsibility to perhaps try and change things through music because it is such a, an accessible medium yeah and the lyric that comes comes to mind from your song everything's changing is you're not alone mm. you know if you take one thing that we are all in this together whatever the whatever the journey yeah. is right totally we all feel at the end of the day we're all human we kind of feel sometimes you feel desperately on your own I'm the only person feeling this but really we all feel the same things at some point and reassuring everybody that you, you you just there are people out there and we can get through this there's light at the other side of the tunnel nicely said right top three album times joe harrop what do you go back to again and again and again all right definitely my aretha franklin sweet Ooh. bitter love nice we haven't had aretha on the list before yeah so sweet bitter love right you've locked that in number two so there's not a specific album because I made a compilation of my favourite ones. Of but oh, I feel a cheat answer coming. Is up. it? I know, I know because I, <laughs> um, the to- Tom Waits. Yeah, Ooh. but I, there's so many different songs of his that were on different albums that I had to make my own. So I'm going to say my Tom Waits, the Joe Harrop Tom Waits compilation album. Okay, I shall describe that as the entire back catalogue. All right, so you've got Aretha Franklin and Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. Nice. Who else or what else will join them? It's really, really difficult. I'm going to say Sarah Vaughan with Clifford Brown. Oh, nice. And that's three out of a million. (laughs) It is, but they're goodies. Yeah. Ten points. Lovely. Full marks there. (laughs) Um, Oh, fantastic. Right, it is time to sort out our house band. Okay. Some say, well, I do anyway, week in, week out, that it's the most eclectic fantasy band in podcast show business. And currently, we have got Carla Blay on the piano, Paul Motion on the drums, Eberhard Weber on the bass. We also have Joe Templey on bass saxophone, John Hassel on trumpet, and the very wonderful Norma Winston on vocals. Ooh. Now, Joe, your task is to remove one musician, if you fancy it, but most importantly, to bring in a new player. And they can be from any point in jazz history. Really easy. I'm going to make it because it's so current to me right now. But I'm going to remove the bass player. <gasps> Goodbye, Eberhard Weber. Joe Harrop has fired you. I'm putting in Christian McBride. Oh, Christian's back in the band. <laughs> nice. Has he been in before? <laughs> he has. He might He might be our longest runner. Well, there's that Pastorius character as well. Oh, Jack. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, Eberhard Weber's had a pretty good run, though. So I'm sure Sorry, he's, he's happy to have a break. Uh, and welcome back, Christian. Nice. <laughs> Thanks very much, Joe. Order is restored. I'm not allowed to put myself on vocals because I would like that. <laughs> well, you can kick out Norma Winston, no, but again, gosh, you'll have no. to explain yourself. I wouldn't dare. 
<laughs> I don't think anyone's going to dare tinker with Norman as he's in. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so listen, thank you so much for, for being with us today, uh, Joe. But just before you go, what, what shows have you got coming up in the next month or two that we can look forward to hearing? I have some real belters coming up. So um, October the 26th, which I think is a Tuesday evening, is at Ronnie Scott's Upstairs. And um, that's with Jamie. Nice. And then going into November, November the 5th is the album launch at Cadogan Hall. And also Paul Edis is going to be there, um, Alex Webb and Chris Standring, they've got their album launches too. And then we go into London Jazz Week, and which is going to be awesome. So if you can squeeze us in there with all the amazing stuff that's going on, then um, we'll be at the Hampstead Jazz Club on the 13th of November with my band. And then again on the 17th of November, the following week with Jamie um, as a duets thing. And then back at the 6 of 6, the Sunday lunchtime after. So there's lots going on. <laughs> oh, there are no excuses not to catch up with joe uh that's really exciting and um we'll hopefully all catch you at some point during the during the coming month or two so gang if you've liked what you've listened to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes and if you want to know more about the Watford jazz junction check us out at wafferjazzjunction.com or follow us on our various social media and you can always email us too at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com but of course only to say lovely things next time we are chatting with the fabulous pianist greg Vote. so until that time it's goodbye lovely listener it's goodbye joe goodbye thank you and it's goodbye from me stay safe and always remember connect with something new Bye.